Hello, my name is Joe Hogan, also known as Epic Grays in various video games and on social media, and I'm here to tell you this podcast is headed for a disaster of biblical proportions. What I mean is Old Testament, real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming from the skies, river and seas boiling, 40 years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass geektitude. <laughs> Welcome to episode 226 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Obviously, the fact that there is a different intro means that we are being graced with the presence of Rob today. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. Nice job. Thank you. Um, it's been a while since I've seen the original Ghostbusters, so I don't. I know there's some inflections were not correct, but I <laughs> certainly know dogs and cats living together. Um, and uh, for a special treat today, we actually have two guests because both of them are very big Ghostbuster fans. So uh, welcome, Brian. How you doing, Brian? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? Good, good. It's been it's been a busy, a busy, busy week. <laughs> um, but we are we are very quickly heading towards winter break, so I am very much looking forward to that. Yay! Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, what have you guys been up to? What's your weekly geekery been? Um, why don't we start with Brian? Um, I haven't been up to much. Uh, <laughs> work has been kicking my butt. But uh, I uh, have started reading uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief um, because I heard Disney Plus is uh, turning it into a series. Oh, that's uh, cool. So I, th- I thought I'd start reading it. And uh, let me tell you, it is not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you not loving about it? Um, it, there's really no character building. It reads like fan fiction. I can see that. I mean, I did like the um, different takes they had on the the gods, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely know. You have to go in it really um, okay with it being what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figure it's a children's, or it's geared towards children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, I'm kind of forgiving in how I read it, but I, I'm not expecting great literature, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, have you? I'm assuming you haven't seen the movies. No, I've seen the movies, and oh. I mean, <laughs> Logan Learman is daddy, so you know. <laughs> yeah did they did they finish making those movies? I feel like they didn't get through the whole book series. They oh did. no no no! They only made two. That yeah. <laughs> people were like, mm, no. Yeah, they were. They were. I would argue that they weren't as good as the book, <laughs> which is saying something. No, they weren't. But I mean, they did kind of fix a few problems with like character building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, give and take. Gotcha, gotcha. It was during that whole giant run of everyone trying to figure out what the next sort of teen fiction, young adult fiction series was going to become a tentpole movie series. Yeah, yeah, and and, exactly. and like several never actually made it to completion in the films, which is really sad. Right. Well, it was all started with Hunger Games, and they're like, "This is the new thing," and then yeah. everybody jumped on the bandwagon. And well, it's it I mean, it started with, with Harry Games? Potter, right? That's yeah. true. Because the Hunger Games was they tried to do the same. Well, which district are you from? And then mm-hmm. they did the. Is it the Maze Runner? Was the other one where it's like, which mm-hmm, group mm-hmm. are you a part of? And then there was right. a. 
what's the other there was the other series that never got finished that was like another post-apocalyptic future with a teenage female protagonist oh was it um the dark something or others um, i don't know but it's when they're sorted into into groups as well yeah it's my my dark and then there's something that ends with ease i forget what they are uh no that was the tv show with um uh what's his name from um why am i blanking from hamilton Lin-Manuel right? Miranda? Yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Wasn't that the his dark uh, d- essences, desires, something like that? No, That's I, not what I'm thinking I've, of. No, I've never heard of it. I didn't know that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda had a TV series. Oh, are you thinking Mortal Engines? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Peter Jackson did the first movie, and then it just kind of fizzled out because it like tanked. Still mm-hmm. not what I'm thinking of. The, it doesn't matter. The point is, clearly, there are so many of them, we can't keep them straight. Yes, they, <laughs> they all start blending in together after a while. <laughs> Although, to be fair, the Maze Runner movies, um, they did finish. Yeah. Um, and I think they're actually pretty good. I haven't read the books, but the movies I thought were pretty decent. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I like the first one. I didn't, I mean, I didn't love it. Because I didn't go back and watch the others, but I, it was definitely an interesting concept. Did they not get out of the maze in the first one? Oh no, they did. No, and they then, do. But it's it's like when it's almost like they get out into something, and the mysteries continued because you're like, well, where in the hell are they now? They're actually yeah. in a larger maze. <laughs> or is it like Prison Break, where they break out of prison in the first season, and you're like, well, now what do you do, guys? <laughs> They're like, now they break back into prison. And then uh, break out of a prison again in season three. I, th- I never watched the show, but that's my understanding is they had to figure out how to continually have things involving breaking out of prison. Well, they break out of the maze in the first movie. And then the subsequent movies are like post-apocalyptic, you know, finding a way to survive and overthrow this dictatorship that's rising in this gotcha. post-apocalyptic world. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that they finished it because there was a massive gap between um, the last movie and the one that came before um, because Dylan O'Brien like had a serious accident um, that put him out of commission for a couple of years. I thought I'd heard something about that, that he wasn't he he hurt himself on set or something like that. Yeah, so they completely paused production until he was 100% better, but they did finish it. And it, from what I understand, people had kind of forgotten about it, and mm-hmm. so it didn't do that well. Interesting. That's one I would go back and look at. It's Maze Runner. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anything else, Brian, that you've been up to? Ah, no, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. How about you, Rob? Uh, so I've also works been slamming me, um, but I added stuff from the last couple of weeks just to try and pad out and pretend I have geekery. Um, <laughs> the first one is we had our baby shower yesterday. Um, oh, awesome. Which I can say because I don't think, I don't think any of the people that were there uh, listened to Geekditude specifically. We didn't want to have a baby shower. 
Um, <laughs> the wife is very much not the kind of person that likes to be the center of attention, uh, especially right. not when it comes to like, yes, and let's all talk about how big I am now, you know, like understanding <laughs> that, yes, I know it's because I'm pregnant, but still. Right. Um, so she was asking for like none of the traditional baby games. Um, but they knew that uh, the the kids room is space themed um, because it's a fun way to incorporate science as well as you can have fun colors. And it all came from this quilt that the the wife found that she really liked um, that has all the planets in it. And then in the corner is like Pluto and then in parentheses, not a planet, but we love you anyway. <laughs> That's cute. And so they made like a game of Jeopardy that surrounded, you know, some baby themes. And then they just added superheroes on there for me. And, um, and then a bunch of the gifts and stuff were all like space themed kids books and, and rocket science for babies and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it was nice to see people. It's a, this is kind of my last weekend to see people and like in a group. Cause after this, we're pretty much going on lockdown. Um, cause if the kid comes early, which would be like at 37 weeks or so, that's only four weeks away. So we're officially like Minnesota is not doing great in terms of COVID. And so um, I get my booster this upcoming week and then I'm getting my flu shot. And then we're basically hiding uh, until the kid is born. And then I'm sure for a while afterwards. So it was, it was nice to get out and see people. Um, I am wearing a, a new uh, geeky hoodie. I don't know if this is this super counts as as geekery. I have a geek to geek network uh, zip up hoodie, which I like very much. Uh, right. And as it turns out, so does the wife. To the point where I don't get to wear it anymore <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a larger gentleman, uh, and so it fits her very comfortably in her pregnant state. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just get some, some more hoodies or something. And I've always looked at those like screen printed off brand superhero hoodies you see on like Amazon for 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I finally decided to, to get two of them. So the one I'm wearing now is the, the Bucky Captain America one. And then I got one that's a Robin one. And apparently I have a thing for sidekicks and um, <laughs> they're okay. They're, they're a little scratchy on the inside, uh, but they look good. So anybody that's was on the fence like I was, uh, that is a thing that, um, it might be worthwhile. Um, uh, keeping within theme. Yeah. They also make uh, ghostbusters ones. See, I know they not only make ghostbuster ones, there is a place where if you spend a little extra, they will customize it and put it, the name badge on it on the screen print with, with your name on it. Oh, and I was, cool. I was very tempted and I was also tempted to get the ghostbuster one, but in my head, I'm like, you know, I have the patches and it's going to be a long time before I actually put on my flight suits for a, a, an event again, because I'm not going to do the cosplay thing while the, the kid is super little. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, I could just take the patches off and just go buy like a tan or a beige hoodie somewhere cheap or a black one, honestly, and put the patches on. And I was looking at Etsy. I'm absolutely where you are on this thing. I was on Etsy looking to see how much it would cost for an oversized, huge Ghostbuster patch for like the back of the hoodie <laughs> or the jacket. So I thought about it and then realized that would be too much work and said, maybe someday. Um, uh, just a, just a quick interjection. Yeah. Um, Dickie's Eisenhower makes a uh, tan khaki jacket. Um, yes, they do. And 
I know from I have a couple of friends in the 501st, they use their uh, Dickies black jackets and put their patches on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was um, the last the last convention that I did, there was a guy who was um, and he's also a Ghostbuster, super nice guy. Um, he wore his his scout trooper, so like the biker trooper helmet. And yeah. then just like his biker duds, because he actually rides a motorcycle and he has his vest with all of his patches all over it. Uh, I do, in fact, have a um, kind of a Carhartt beige uh, winter jacket that I've also considered putting my patches all over. Oh, uh, there you go. So Good simpatico. The- so we are very much on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely things that I've considered because they had a jacket at uh, Spirit Halloween the last couple of years. Um, that's oh, a ghostbuster yeah. jacket for like 50 bucks. And I was like, that's nice and all, but this is, I live in Minnesota. I don't think that's going to work super well in the winter. I don't think that's warm enough. So, but there are yeah. several guys in our, in our various ghostbuster groups here in Minnesota that wear those, um, outside of their, you know, flight suits on Halloween and stuff when it gets chilly and they look good. They look right surprisingly on. good. Uh, last two quick things I'm going to throw out for geekery is I started reading the Morbius, the living vampire run from 2013. It's like nine issues or something like that. Cause I have very little, as much of a huge vampire fan as I am, I've done very little reading in terms of the Marvel vampire universe. Mm. I think I have a comic somewhere. That's the um, handbook of the Marvel universe vampire special that kind of talks about the vampire, but outside of like storm becoming a vampire when they encountered Dracula, Right. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot and certainly not my, my relationship with Morbius came from the Spider-Man cartoon where he had little suction cups on his hands and oh, like, yeah. sucked energy. And then I, I look and I'd be like, Oh no, he literally is like tearing people's throats out with his fangs. Like this is not the Morbius I thought he was. And, <laughs> but kid uh, friendly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the energy vampire with hand suction cups. Um, so I've been, I've been reading that and it's fine. Like they try to make him kind of his own anti-hero in his little corner of New York. Um, it's it's fine. I don't know. I almost wish it were like more goth, you know, because he feels like a very goth character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much. It's, it's very much more of just like, I'm just this normal dude. And every once in a while I kill somebody because I want blood and I keep, <laughs> you know, eating sandwiches out of trash cans. And I mean, but I feel like that's perfect for Jared Leto. Yes. See, that's <laughs> that's the idea. But again, I made this mistake with the Eternals where I assumed that the Neil Gaiman run, which was one of the most recent runs that um, Marvel had done, and it was by a prominent writer. I just assumed that was going to be the basis for it. Like we all knew that was what was happening with the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye and the TV show because they were clearly modeling the advertising off of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd be very curious if this is the Jared Leto movies sort of comic book basis, I think it makes a lot of sense, but clearly they're making him far more vampire-y, I guess I'll call it, mm-hmm. in in the movie where he's like floating on air and and like controls bats maybe. That, I don't know. They want to tap that Twilight market. Or something. Yeah, they're definitely trying to. Well, something. I mean. I've always I, I feel that Sony is still in the '90s way of making superhero movies, where they're like, "Well, we have to kind of like take the characters and do something familiar with them, so that people know what they're going to get." 
as opposed to just letting the source material be what it is. And yeah. so it's like, well, this is what vampires do. So we can't deviate from that. Otherwise people aren't going to like it. And it's kind of like, well, no, and I, I, think I exactly the same. I haven't watched any of the Venom movies. I get the notion that they're very much trying to do the rule of cool thing for mm-hmm. their movies. We're like, there's the Marvel movies that are the big, bright superhero movies and stuff. But if you're like a high schooler in 2000, this is the movie for you. You know what I mean? Like it feels like mm-hmm. Venom seems like it's the superhero movie for, for guys that want to feel like they're still watching something explode, like cool, like manly stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, which was very much what Venom became in the nineties and what carnage absolutely was. Um, and to some extent what blade was even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. Uh, my last thing is, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or it might've even been over a month ago. Now I found a matrix online emulator and I'm not the only one that found this thing. Cause the, the numbers have kind of exploded on it. And so it's, I think this one is only made by one guy who got a hold of some of the code and some of the info from the old matrix online MMO. And over, since like 2009 has been slowly trying to build the game back on a private server. And so you can't like fight anybody and you can't do missions, but you can fully explore the world. And then because it's this emulator, you have access to all the like dev codes to do any of the fight animations or the special effects that were only used by, you know, super bad guys where like they're exploding code bombs and you can make yourself look like any of the characters in the game. So I could be, um, I don't know, the Oracle on fire. (laughs) <laughs> and use animations for uh, DJing. I could I could be DJ Oracle on fire, and uh, and so and I don't know if this is still a thing in in current. So Joe, you're going to have to to tell me. And Brian, I'm not sure if you're an MMO guy or not. Um, I'm not. But are there still like online radio stations just for MMO listeners that you like listen to together in game? There might be, but I think everybody's just moved to podcasts. Okay. Yeah. So that's my, that's my understanding. This was a huge thing in the matrix where there is an in-game radio and you can just plug in the URL for where the, the stream is for the live stream. And people would gather and have parties because one of the things that you can find all over the, in the matrix online world in the game are clubs. There's nightclubs everywhere. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you gather with players in a nightclub and then everybody opens up their radio and goes to the same feed. And then you have multiple dance animations and special effects you can do to like create effects there. So you have like a mini rave in this game and that's very much what this emulator is. It's, it's just the social aspect of the matrix online, which they built out originally to be so much more sophisticated than most games. The only Mm -hmm. other game I can think of that I've seen or played that had as complicated a social system with a number of emotes and, and two person emotes um, and that sort of thing. What is Lord of the Rings online where you can have multiple people programmed to play different parts of the same song on their instrument and tie it to one player who hits go. And then you can have 10 people on different instruments play the same song together in the game. That's really cool. That's Lord of the Rings online. That's the only other game I know of that, that has that complicated. So uh, it's a giant nostalgia hit, kind of like classic WoW, you know, or the people that went to the old EverQuest servers, I imagine. 
Um, I have my version now, which is this emulator. So I'll I'll keep an eye on the the homepage for it. I guess I could say it's info is the website for it. And uh, okay. it shows right on the website how many people are in the emulator and which district of the game they're in, because there's three different main districts. And so you can pop on and then there's commands you can use to find them and teleport directly to them. So I've been spending a lot of time, you know, saying hi to new players, showing them around, showing them what they can do. So they don't just say, oh, there's no combat, there's no missions, and then not stick around. Right, right, right. But because the new Matrix movie is coming out soon, like, which is crazy. We're getting all of this, these sort of sequels to old movies right now. And I'm curious to see what kind of box office numbers a new Matrix movie will do when it's up against like Spider-Man. Right. Is that, is it coming out the same weekend? I think the Matrix is the weekend following, but I'm not sure. I need Spider-Man is what, the 17th? I think so. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back because it's been so long. I don't remember. I don't remember most of it. <laughs> and so I will have to go back because I feel like that's one that if you don't know it very well, you might get lost. Yeah. So it's the week following. Matrix Resurrection is the 22nd and Spider-Man is the 17th. But okay. man, that's still week two of the new Spider-Man movie, which is going to destroy box office numbers. Right. Oh, it already has because, like, how many places are sold out for tickets? Yeah, yeah, and it's Isn't sad. The benefit it's, of go ahead. Well, I was—it's the first Marvel movie in a very long time that I know I won't be able to get into for free because I won't be doing premiere events in in costume. Right. It's uh, sad. Um, that's one of the benefits of of uh, living out in Palm Springs. Like nobody goes. <laughs> Nobody goes to the movies out here. <laughs> like when I saw Ghostbusters, there were maybe like five people in the theater. That's like, nice. Wow. Yeah. What it is, is that? Nice? I like it. Okay. Um, It's nice for like, I wouldn't have wanted to see Endgame in a theater like that, but I'm perfectly fine seeing, um, you know, the third Spider-Man movie, you know, anything that's a sequel. Eternals was fine. Cause I mean, people aren't going to be like, Oh my God, that's so-and-so. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh man. That's, Nope, can't even remember any of the characters' names. Druig. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I am so far behind on Marvel. Like, I am i don't want to see any of the Marvel movies until I've finished the TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, halfway through Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think that's becoming more common, as there's just so much stuff coming out. There's so much content. Because yeah. everything got held back, and now it's all just coming in a giant flood. Well, and I'm behind on Hawkeye because <laughs> I um, I wanted to watch it, and we were at my in-laws, and or they were here, one of the two, and we have kind of like our Matt and me TV shows, and then we have our in-law TV shows, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I really want to watch the first episode of Hawkeye, and they probably aren't going to care if we. I just finish it on my own. So I'll just like suggest it. So I suggested it, and they loved it. And now I have to wait until we're at their house to watch the next episodes. Uh, <laughs> it's like, but I want to watch it now. <laughs> that's that's okay. Right. I know that's really hard for you. It is because I love Hawkeye. I love what they're doing with Hawkeye. Yeah. I, I, it's just such a. It's just such a fun character. But yeah. anyway. Um, How about you, Joe? Well, I mean, the big thing I worked on last week was I had 
the both the season two premiere of Cautious Optimism and our Q and A season one wrap up. Yeah, how did that go? Did you get lots of? I felt bad. I didn't get to listen to the the first episode. I I was so backlogged on on my podcast that I just listened to like six episodes of Cautious Optimism straight. I, you know, mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm, I have this many episodes. I'm just going to go through and listen to all of the episodes of each show together. And by the time I was listening to you talking about having that, that Q and a session, um, which I haven't listened to yet. Cause I'm, I'm back behind on, it. I moved over to start listening to adventure zone episodes now, uh, oh, nice. and let the cautious optimism load up again. But like I was too, th- th- I'm, this is me rambling. The point I'm getting to is I was too late to ask questions. How did it go, Joe? <laughs> it, it actually went really well. It was a fun hour. But the the problem was, because what we did is we recorded for two hours and then like a regular episode of Cautious Optimism. Um, and I get about two episodes out of a session. And then we stayed for an extra hour and recorded the question and answer. And it went well. But and, and when I when I thought about doing this, I'm like, and it's not going to be a problem because I don't have to do the the copious amounts of editing that I've got to do for a regular episode because I don't care if they um and ah because it's the players, it's not the characters, so it's fine. Yeah. Nice, I like that. Yeah. Except I didn't like, take into account how long it would take me to do the montages because what is a um like season ender episode if you don't have like callbacks to previous episodes and so it took me twice as long as a normal episode to edit and get out which is fine i'm very happy with how it turned out even though there was a couple things i felt like were a little rushed at the end and i'm like okay well sizzle reel for a podcast yeah (laughs) that's i did too actually i did like some off-air stuff like i i did a combo off-air stuff that never made it onto an episodes combined with some of the really great lines that you just like, I just had to revisit. And then um, I put in when people were talking about their favorite moments, I put in two of those. So like oh, you cut away, yeah, sense. cut away and then come back. And then I did just a series of all the different voices that Todd does. Yeah. So those were, um, you know, they just take a while and so I was like, okay, okay, well, I did that. I just have to get season two out, and that shouldn't be a problem. And I thought, well, and I, I should not think. This is what this is what gets me in trouble. <laughs> I, I shoot too high, and then I regret it later. Um, I was like, I'm going to do season uh, a season one wrap up. It'll be easy. I can just go back to all the previously on episodes and steal the audio. Except I didn't start saving them until like episode five or six. <laughs> so then like halfway through, I'm like, this is taking way too long, but now I'm committed. And then once I got all the clips, I couldn't make them fit within the music time. So like, I barely got season two out <laughs> on Friday, <laughs> just barely got it out. Um, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with how both of them turned out, but it was like, this was supposed to be a relatively easy week and it was like, mm, mm, not so much. Thank goodness that there were five Tuesdays in November because that means that I didn't have, I don't have to do a, um, what is not this week. And so that'll let me catch up a little bit and, that, and I could take the weekend off. So that that's, that's been good. That was peanut.
<laughs> that was not me. Oh, that was not Peanut. <laughs> that no. would be that would be Sam. There's a dog walking, being walked out in front of our house. So my He's my giant schnauzer Sam is <laughs> yes, that is his job. All three of us have adorable dogs. Yes. All Peanut right. is currently snoozing on my bed. Excellent. But yeah, so that's I did that, and then I spent a little bit of time. I'm trying to learn GURPS a little bit better. Um, I want to kind of do some solo GURPS stuff, and I've found some resources to do that. I finally decided that if I'm going to do a GURPS, if I'm going to do a solo RPG, I think I'm going to try and do GURPS because then I can both enjoy doing the RPG and learn the system a little better. Mostly because a lot of times we get stuck when we're playing on. Okay, how do you do this? And then you you hear all the all the paper flapping, <laughs> it's looking stuff up because it's a very dense system. And so uh, I spent some time going through there. They have a a Monster Hunters supplement that is basically urban fantasy, Buffy, kind of what we do with what is not. And uh, and so I'm like, well, this is a good place to start. So I'm I'm setting myself up to to once we get on winter break to do some some fun solo stuff but see joe the paper flapping is kind of like D &D asmr (laughs) it's so true (laughs) (laughs) i'd almost miss it yeah yeah i uh, so much of my stuff is digital now and i gotta say there's sometimes where i'm like oh my god i just wish (laughs) wish i had the book uh as i as i duplicate the tab so that i can switch between multiple pages um, but yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Oh, and we went to, we went to a tamale festival yesterday, which was tasty. Yeah. All right. Well, I am going to hop us out of here until the commercial break. And then we come back, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife with two people who I know are huge Ghostbuster fans. So I can't wait to hear what you guys thought of the movie and Woo. we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. And we are back, and we are talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. So both of you are huge Ghostbuster fans. So why don't we just really quickly um, just kind of talk about your experiences with Ghostbusters? Because I know you both have different ways you found out about it. So Rob, how about you first? So for me... This is, it's a repeat of the, uh, of the podcasters assemble. We all have to talk about our first experience with the, the thing, the property. Um, 
I feel like I might have seen Ghostbusters 2 first as a kid, and then it was certainly the cartoon. Like, it was the same as Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. in the early 90s, where it was kind of ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Um, cool kids had the cool toys. What was different was you had, like, what now we see, we call role-playing toys, basically, right? That you have, like, the, the Black Series um stuff you can find in target or whatever, or when you can actually buy like an Ant-Man helmet or, or whatever. Like we didn't, that didn't exist for a lot of things, but you could do it for ghostbusters. You could buy a proton pack. You could buy a trap. You could buy, right, right, right. You know, the different toys. So I had friends that had those and was insanely jealous. Um, and then I really got into it more like maybe in college, uh, I was buying VHS tapes for like a buck a pop at a used, you know, like VHS store, And um, I always liked watching movies and stuff while doing homework for college and high school. And I would put on things that had at least one sequel. So like the number of times I watched the Ghostbusters movies is large. Um, And now I'm a part of a, a, what we call a Ghostbusters franchise. I'm a part of actually a couple uh, Ghostbusters franchises, which are people that get suited up and go out dressed as Ghostbusters. I'm actually, I'm looking around. Shoot, I don't have it here. I could have sworn I had it here in the room with me. I was going to grab my proton pack and, and so you could hear me click the thing on and hear that noise as it turns out. Oh, it's so cool. Ah, it's the greatest noise in the world. <laughs> I think the only noise that's better is the Ecto one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's like for, for Star Wars people where they hear the the sirens on the flight deck or whatever, or they hear the sound of a, of an X-wing or something, the you know, it's, it's, you, yeah, it, or a it's lightsaber. A like, lightsaber. you know what the sound of a lightsaber turning on is. Right. Yep. Yeah. How about you, Brian? So I was one of those cool kids. Um, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as a, at a really young age, um, my mom let me watch, ghostbusters one and two and i was just obsessed and then the cartoon came out and it was just like more um but i i had you know the the plastic proton pack the trap um the action figures um i had the pke meter i had the goggles um i even had the ecto-1 and firehouse uh it, we had we had the firehouse and the toys we didn't we didn't have the the cosplay stuff oh man it, it ghostbusters was such a huge part of my life growing up and it's i mean it was only second to star wars for me uh, mm-hmm. and it just like i'm at the point now where i haven't sat down and watched the original Ghostbusters movies in quite a while, but I could sit down and quote the movie line for line, inflection for inflection and not miss a beat. That's awesome. It's always fun. Like there were definitely moments where like this, this movie very much was nostalgia. Like, and I feel like they did a very good job building the nostalgia because it was kind of like, okay, well, when we're getting to like Ghostbusters, like it, it was a, it was a slow build at the beginning, I thought. Yeah. Um, but then when you started seeing all the nostalgia, it was just like, it just kept coming. 
Definitely. It, it, uh, I saw an interview with Jason Reitman recently where he was talking about their writing process and they wrote the movie in the ghost Corps office next to where they parked the original Ecto one. And they had tour groups coming through all the time and they would hear people talking and, and talking about their memories of Ecto one. And that made it so it was always at the forefront of their mind when they were writing. So I think when you have that kind of influence, it really affects the final product. Well, that's awesome. Um, what did you guys think of it? Um, we'll, we'll start. We're, we're, I'm just going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, Brian, what did you think of the movie as a whole? Uh, I loved it. I, I mean, it, it definitely felt like a true sequel mm-hmm. to um, one and two. Um, I think the acting was wonderful. The story was also wonderful. I mean, it, it it felt like a passing of the torch without being in your face about it. How um, about you, Rob? I liked it. Um, so I saw it multiple. So I saw it two and a half times in the theater, and. Uh, the halftime was because I knew I was seeing it again the following day. Cause I did, I went to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday screenings. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's good, but I don't know if it stands on its own as a film um, versus being a, a sequel mm-hmm. where you have to know the other film in order to, to get enjoyment out of it. And I actually, I don't, I don't think it's as good as, all of us hardcore Ghostbuster fans feel it is the second we walk out of the theater because it's, it's designed in such a way and it is backloaded in such a way to let you leave the theater with such a powerful sense of nostalgia that you want to go and spend all of the money on Ghostbuster stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was by design. And I think upon future watch like there's also the reason that the second time i watched the movie i was okay leaving halfway through i didn't feel the need to sit through it again the whole way partly because i knew i was going to see it again the following night but also because i was like you know i i'm tired i think i'm good you know i i definitely feel like if i weren't a part of all the different ghostbuster groups and 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 doing special events for for the movie theaters and stuff that i might have been okay with just one viewing and then i'll i'll get back to it again later at some point but it certainly Um, it's, I don't think this is going to be, it's not another Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? Like it's, this isn't going to be the film that people go back and watch again and again and again, the same way that people watched the original. And so the question is when people do want to go back and rewatch the original, are they then going to watch afterlife? Are they going to watch Ghostbusters too? You know, or are they just going to be okay with the original Ghostbusters and was this basically a wonderful, like, holiday special that you would see on, you know, like Disney Plus or whatever now that you wouldn't feel the need to keep going back to again and again? I mean, I think I, I, I see your point. I think it's really hard to capture the magic of the first one. I mean, they tried with the second one, which. I honestly like better than the first one. Okay. Um, 
but I mean, it's, I think, especially this far down the road, it's hard to capture that magic because it's, it's the same, it's the same way with like the star Wars films. It's like we, as star Wars fans, you know, grew up with the originals. We love the originals. Then the prequels came out and it was like, mm, not so great. And then the most recent came out and it's like, what the hell? What's up? But, mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and I think from us, from, if we look at this from the star Wars standpoint, this movie had those nostalgia hits for the older fans, but I think it was mostly about introducing a new generation of fans to this beloved franchise. Do you think that, like, I don't know, have we heard if there's going to be a, a sequel to this one? They certainly set it up for it, um, it especially at the end credits. My understanding is a, and people call it Afterlife 2, you know, colloquially in, in articles, uh, you know, online. But yes, it, it sounds like this film is going to make enough money back um, and then whatever money from merchandising that they are going to be okay making another Ghostbuster film. But I don't know that it's going to be Jason Reitman. I feel like this was the story he wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that it's Jason Reitman. I don't know that it would even involve these characters, which is one of, I have in the, in the show notes, I have a whole bunch of, you know, little notes that I made to remind myself of things. And one of them is, are people actually going to want to see these characters again outside of, I think, um, Phoebe, who is clearly the main character in standout, I think would right. be, would be fine. But it's one of those, like, are people really going to be like, you're making another ghostbuster film without Trevor or like, how dare you make an afterlife Two? Where's lucky. Do you got, yeah. do you even yeah. remember who lucky is? <laughs> you know? I don't know that I ever heard her name as lucky but yeah it said it said i think twice it said by her dad once in the jail and i think said one more time by trevor later in the movie yeah well and i love i love paul rudd but i i felt like he stood out a little bit too much in this movie i don't know how other people feel about it like was he stealing stealing the scene do you mean no it's just it there's this thing that happens, I find, with um, – I feel like Paul Rudd in this movie has done what some – a lot of actors do is they cross over from being an actor into being a personality. Mm-hmm. And in this particular movie, I feel like Paul Rudd was hired to play himself and not really to play a character. I I would agree with you 100% on that. Um, this – like, it almost seemed like he was unnecessary, but – I think he succeeded in playing the Lewis Tully role Mm -hmm. Um, because that's definitely what it felt like. Although secretly I was hoping for like him becoming a ghostbuster and kind of like leading the charge given that he was really the only one. I mean, aside from the current ghostbusters, he was really the only one with the star power in this movie. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I felt like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Paul Rudd. I will watch him in anything. I think he's gorgeous. I think he's a a fun personality. I, I, I love Paul Rudd. I just felt like he, he, his presence dwarfed everybody else's except maybe Phoebe's. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And I feel like almost any actor could have pulled that role. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a, oh, he did such a good job with this role. I think anybody could have done equally as well. Yeah. I mean, and on that note, I mean, I feel like McKenna Grace really, she stole that movie. She was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I was expecting like some snot nosed kid that was going to be like, ugh, kids. But it was like, wow. She was fantastic in that. And and the role itself was kind of interesting because I, you know, typically your main character, especially if they're meant to be sort of your, your point of view character into the movie, um, is going to be kind of blah. Like mm-hmm. they'll have they'll have a couple things or it's like your female character, the stereotypical female character in a rom-com, right? Who's like, oh, but I'm klutzy, therefore I have personality when really mm-hmm. they write as little personality as possible so that the audience can put themselves in that person's shoes. Phoebe has the, I'm socially awkward. Um, and I think that's the reason that we get introduced to her specifically in that way versus being introduced to her as these aren't volcanic tectonic maps. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's the part where you're like, Oh, we don't know you like we, we're not you, but like, if you're, going to see a Ghostbuster movie, chances are you're a little weird um, or can at least identify as being a weird kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that made it interesting because that made her as much a character as Podcast, who is clearly supposed to be the weird, quirky friend mm-hmm. and doesn't come off that weird or quirky up next to like Paul Rudd. Right. Yeah. You know, or even Phoebe. So I don't know. It, it's it, it's a really interesting sort of inversion of that. And I don't know if that was just because they didn't give podcast enough fun stuff to do. But again, it's very 80s to have that best friend with a weird nickname and a fun person. It's the Jack Sparrow character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the I'm going to be the more developed crazy person to make the main character seem more um, normal or balanced or relatable but they didn't do that this time. Right. And I, I really liked that. I, I think they did that with Finn Wolfhard's character, because I think they could have removed him from the movie. Yeah. And it would have been the same, like Phoebe only child, you know, and have her fix the Ecto one because she's that incredibly smart. Yes. Right. She could have been slightly older. So that we know that she could reach the pedals or even yep. do the blocks uh, like uh, like Temple of Doom. And um, <laughs> yes, no time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I, sorry, yes. total tangent. But I have to say, I actually went to college with him. With the short short round. Oh, right on. Yeah, he, he lived down the, the hall from me. I didn't know him very well, but, you know, we, we sat and talked about film school a little bit. He went to USC <laughs> for film school. And uh, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> cool. That's that's um, that's good. Thing. But yes, I agree. Uh, Finn Wolfhard did not need to be in this movie. His plot uh, didn't do anything for me. He was there because they needed someone to drive the car and because they didn't want Phoebe to be a genius at literally everything. Although she is because she figures out how to fix a nuclear accelerator <laughs> with help. And- with help, with some, okay, but she, they open they open the front of that thing. They open the uh, you know they take off the bumper and they they open the front of the um, 
of the accelerator and and she's able to look and know what's missing in order to put it in and knows what it's called like they very like it's very much a okay we're just going to go and she's a genius uh and we're just going to roll with it despite the egon's a genius because he has multiple phds this kid is a genius because she's 10 and <laughs> reads a lot and you know? precocious <laughs> yes um, no she she inherited that you know like when she was in her mother's womb she sucked the intelligence and the the previous experiences of egon i i don't know yeah and and by the way cyclotron on the front. I want to make sure I'm keeping my, my Ghostbuster crate here when I was saying accelerator. The whole thing's an accelerator, specifically the cover under the bumper uh, that is the cyclotron. Well, it's an unlicensed nuclear accelerator. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, I don't... Yeah, Trevor was... He was there and I get it. And so I one of the notes that I have on here is what I think is interesting is each each character in this movie is I think meant to be a direct representation of part of the audience for that movie. Yes. So you have uh, Paul Rudd, who's most of the adults that grew up loving Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Is what he's supposed to be. Uh, You have Phoebe who might be the new younger geeky kid. Who's excited to learn this stuff. And then for both children and adults, you have the mom who I I had to put her name in the freaking thing because I couldn't even remember it. Callie. Um, and, and Trevor who like couldn't care less, don't want to be there. And then through the events of the film, get brought in and then are like, okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like they had what, instead of, again, that one character, that's your, your audience, um, POV character. Every one of them is an audience POV character because they're all new to the situation and they're all learning about it in different ways. And I, I think they were also trying to capture like the personalities of the original four, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's like, okay, you've got, you've got the gearhead that's somewhat intelligent and in Trevor. Um, but you also have that in Phoebe, who's very clearly the Egon character, Trevor being kind of Ray podcast being Vankman. Um, and then Lucky being Winston. Oh, but, see, I got, I got them, I, I, I got them lined up completely different. Than- <laughs> I don't think I have them lined up at all. I think I, I want to hear, I want to hear Joe's first, though. Yeah, um, Phoebe is definitely Egon, of course. I of think, course. I think um, podcast is supposed to be Ray. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor is supposed to be Winston, and I think uh, Lucky is supposed to be Venkman. Because Lucky's got that that kind of sarcasm to her that you know. But they also all do. And part yeah. of that's because it's a Jason Reitman film. Yeah, but it's um, really and don't forget this is the guy she... that made Juno. <laughs> that's that's the only thing she really has. Like that's her kind of the finding personality trait. Yeah. Where where Trevor's got the, you know, he's the one driving the car, he's the one fixing the car up, so that kind of gives him the Winston category. And then I mean the fact that um podcast gets covered with the with the uh, marshmallow, the marshmallow, and then has that moment with Ray at the end. And as podcasters, the line, "Oh, you're my listener." Yeah. Um, oh, I just like both made me smile and made me hurt a little bit. Yeah. Like it was no, a I great feel that. line. It was a great line. I, f- I feel that. I have that. Yeah. But that's how uh, I kind of lined them up. I don't. I don't think it's fair to line them up at all. Um, 
but I see where you're coming from. I think I buy Joe's maybe a little more. Um, certainly, I think podcast is more of the Ray character in that he's the one that likes to talk about the world of the supernatural broadly and is super excited about it, especially if you're hearkening back to like the cartoon at all. That's very much Ray in the cartoon is he's just really excited to be there, just really loves all of the things. Um, but because you have the different characters as well in there, I don't know. And it's true. Every single character in this movie is pithy. I also feel like you could almost swap out Lucky for MJ in the Spider-Man movies and people yep. wouldn't notice. Right, which right, right. I don't know if that's a thing that bothers me or not. Um, and I don't, I don't mean at all about being the girlfriend who is also a person of color, but just the, again, I'm here to be a sarcastic foil kind of character. Right. Um, but yeah, the, I think, I think we're all generally in agreement that we didn't need lucky or. Yeah, uh, no. Or Trevor really. And it's like, I had to look up Trevor's name <laughs> instead <laughs> of just saying Finn Wolfhard. Well, here's here's my other question for for you guys on that. You know, Phoebe's our um, our point of view character, and yeah. I wonder because we had said, well, you probably make her a little bit older, and and I feel like if they did that, then they would bring in the lucky character would have been kind of a guy, um, and you would have had a little bit of that, and then does that automatically make this? And it shouldn't, but just because I know that this is how a lot of fans look at it, does this automatically cut out your demographic that's like despises the 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 all women Ghostbusters because it's all women? You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, like if she's still a kid and we've got Trevor in there, we've got some we got Paul Rudd and Trevor, so we're okay. But if you all of a sudden make it about a teenage Phoebe well, now it's no longer accessible to me. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think yeah. you still would have had podcast as the best friend. And I think it very much could have been the kid goes to school, finds the group of weirdos that become their friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, freaks and geeks style. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think it could have been done. I see the point that you're making though, but in the, and, and I know you had said something about the, the 2016. One of my bullet points is just that we need to not compare this movie to that. Mostly so that people can just shut the fuck up about the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, in in the Ghostbusters fandom, it's just that thing. And for whatever reason, people still feel the need to shit on a, a movie that they can just not watch um, if they don't like it. And and a lot of it is the here's another reason the 2016 movie sucked. Here's a movie with a female protagonist and we love it. Right. Um, so it was them saying it wasn't that they were females. We're not actually horrible people. It's really because the film wasn't good. Um, and we felt betrayed as fans because they made a bad sequel. Uh, when it's like, oh, there's both. There's both people out there. Um, yeah. You know what? I'll be interested to just it, I, last thing talking about the 2016. I know I've mentioned it before, but um in the last couple of years, I read all the novelizations of the Ghostbusters films. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Winston, even in the the novelization of the the first movie, Winston gets so much more to do. Uh, the 2016 novelization is worse than the 2016 film. Whether you're a fan of the 2016 film or not, the novelization is worse. Oh. Uh, so the actors certainly elevated what they were given. I would really be curious to see what a novelization of this film looks like, assuming it's like the older film novelizations you'd get where it's based on an earlier draft of the script 
because I know there's a ton of stuff that they kind of cut for time to really keep this movie as tight as humanly possible. So I would be curious if you would get more out of, say, Trevor and Lucky. If you would get more to actually care about this other Spengler kid who is a genius in his own right, if he's freaking 15 or 16 or whatever. No, they say he's 15. Yeah, he's 15. Which doesn't make sense. There's a lot in this movie that doesn't make sense. That just seems like they missed something in the writing. If you're if you're 15 years old, you couldn't have failed a driver's test three times. You can't take the driver's test when you're 15. Oh, good. It Ooh, depends good on pet. the date. <laughs> Can you get a license at 15? You can get a permit at 15. You can get a permit at 15. Yeah. I don't know any state that allows it at 16. And honestly, more going to like, like I know New Jersey, you can't get till you're 17. Yeah. But it's those little things. Like I keep wondering if all the numbers in the temple were actually supposed to mean something mathematically, but you can see there's a little kind of shadow at the end of 2020 because they had to edit 2021 on there. Yep. Oh, because the movie was supposed to come out a year previous. Right, right, right. So I wonder if their math got screwed up. So speaking of the temple. Yeah. I loved the temple. However, I mean, I feel like, you know, um, forgive me, his name is escaping me. Um, Shandor. Ivo Shandor. Yeah. Shandor. Thank you. I feel like he should have been the big bad in the movie yes. instead of rehashing Gozer. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Compl- he was the big bad in the video game. Yes. And the, the second we saw him, and again, I'm sitting literally in like three rows full of, we had like 30 Ghostbusters right at the, the Friday screening. And even in all of them, I'm sitting in a row with fellow Ghostbusters. And the second that we saw that everybody went, Oh, because there's this collective, like, Oh, the, the video game was always Ghostbusters three yeah. to the fans because it was written by Ivan Reitman and, and Dan Aykroyd and had the original voice cast. So uh, Harold was, Ramis also had a writing credit. On excuse it. me. Yes. And, and so it was meant to be kind of like, wasn't it loosely based on a, a thrown away version of a Ghostbusters three script they had at one time or something? I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I had heard that. Yes, it is true. Um, they, uh, they wanted to expand it and bring in fresh blood in the form of rookie and rookie. was yeah. going to be, yeah. But who then leads the Chicago thing? The comic books do a great job of fleshing all of that out. Um, so wait, now hold on. Okay, so okay, sorry, <laughs> the, sorry. The two of you just went to Ghostbusters Land, and I have a question. I've got questions. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> sorry. So I'm gonna jump. No, no. This is awesome because I'm sure I'm not the only one who like. I'm sure listeners are like, wait a minute. The video games uh, Ghostbusters three. Why do we not know this? Um, would uh. Rob, you said that there's comic books. Is there a comic book version of the video th- game that I can go read and get that story? No, your best bet there would be to find a YouTube video that puts together all of the cutscenes. Yeah. Okay. And that'd be, it's like an hour or two hours long. Oh, wow. So it is its own little movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. I mean, you miss the context of what's going on in between, and it's clearly video game cutscenes. Um, you know, as you see bosses turn into their final form and that kind of thing. But yes, so Ivo Shandor, who is the person mentioned in the first film as the man who built the building Dana Barrett lives in using selenium, which is a metal that not typically used in girders and all of this, that he built this thing that was basically a temple that harnessed supernatural energy. 
And so that was just a name, Ivo Shandor. This guy was crazy and he led a group of Gozer worshippers and he wanted to bring about the end of the world. And then in the video game, you end up in like another dimension fighting the ghost of Ivo Shandor, who's, you know, creating portals to send ghosts into the real. It's been a long time since I played the game, Um, though. They did release a remastered version like last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, really i've been yeah. playing the remaster it's so much nostalgia i got it maybe for free that's the, maybe that's on the halloween to do yeah like last year 2020 they had uh ghostbusters remastered for free on the epic game store so i picked it up but i i haven't downloaded it and played it yet i played the original a couple of years ago um so it came out in 2009 and again this is before Her- harold ramus passed away so you had the full original cast and you played the rookie so the new fifth Ghost or six, if you want to say that Lewis Tully is technically the fifth Ghostbuster. Um, but you're the new person. And then the spoilers, I guess, for the end of the game is you're sent to open a new franchise in Chicago. Yep. And the comic books pick up from there. The comic books suppose that the video game happened. And so the rookie ends up with like his own group of people. And the comics are so full of references and Easter eggs. Like you'll see ghosts and in the corner will be one you recognize from the cartoon. Um, Part of the Chicago squad is like SNL alums, like Chevy Chase is clearly the model for one of the, the Chicago Ghostbusters. Um, Dan Aykroyd starts having visions of a ghost that becomes like his friend and helper. And it's literally just Jake blues. Oh, uh, there's a lot of references both to Saturday night live and the careers of the act. Like the, the people that did the comics um, did a fantastic job. And then they did the interdimensional cross rip um, crossovers where they crossed over with the 2016 ghostbusters and crossed over with the, was it sanctum of slime? It was like a cell phone game. Yep. Um, and they cross over with the real ghostbusters and um yeah, so I mean that's kind of what I was almost hoping for and I'm I'm hoping if we get a post credit scene in an Afterlife 2, not to go too far into the future if we're still talking about Afterlife. Um my hope would be to see an interdimensional portal open at the end of whatever this next Ghostbuster film would be, which feels like Winston putting the new team together. Um and I would want to see Holtzman looking through a portal and saying something really pithy and that being the end of that movie. And then I want all the fans to to bleed tears, uh, or 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 cry blood. I should say, um, the jerks that hated 2016 versus everybody else that'll be like, you know what, that could still be fun. Yeah. Wow, that got dark quick. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Yes, <laughs> I did. not saying people bleeding, but just the the comic book was so much fun because you realize the 2016 characters are really great when they're handled better and the actors could do a great job with those characters with a better script. I don't disagree with you. Um, again, sorry, I'm sorry. We're talking negative. 2016 again, freaking I, it's a, such an easy old. You have to, to though. You yeah. You can't to. not. Uh, but no, that I I'm with you that the, the 26 char- 2016 characters were very interesting and very, um, it was a good premise. However, I feel like 
the director and the writer took it to such a dopey place to try and play off of the, you know, oh, Megan McCarthy, she usually plays this dopey character, you know, and Kate McKinnon is honestly one of my favorite um, comedians Mm -hmm. um, because she is so quippy and clever and sarcastic. uh, And I feel like that movie was really poorly done and it, it, it slanted towards the hate and was more trying to become like a middle finger to the hate Mm -hmm. than it was trying to be a good movie. And even in its own, it it was Ghostbusters meets bride bridesmaids. So it was totally, yeah, it was intended to be something very, very different. And it's just that people that didn't like it just needed deal with that those same people probably don't like bridesmaids you know because it it's a lot of body function humor it's stuff that isn't typical of the ghostbusters films but certainly was a bit more typical of the cartoon you know the silliness of of slimer eating everything and oh slimer you know and they're mm-hmm. that their receptionist is just so functionally stupid yeah. um so as not to be able to like live on his own. (laughs) Like it doesn't seem like he could even figure out how to get from point A to point B. Um, He couldn't even toast a pop tart in the toaster. Yeah. You know, it's like, so clearly it was trying to be a completely different kind, but I have people where out of all the ghostbusters films, that's their favorite. And I think that's completely fair for that to be their favorite. You know, it is valid, you know? Yeah. There's stuff in there. That's, that's really good. And I think that's the same of this one, but I don't know. I've seen some people saying that, you know, this might be their favorite Ghostbuster film. And it's one of those, it's absolutely coming up off like you need to have the nostalgia because there are other people who were like, why does it matter that they found a crunch bar wrapper in his, in his pocket? Like it's a reference to one small moment in the original film. And then a general thing in the background that nobody notices unless they're told or pay attention to it, which is that Egon is addicted to junk food. Yes, Twinkies, Cheez-Its. Yeah, like he's bars. He, he's the early Brad Pitt where he's constantly eating throughout that film and it's all junk food. Yeah. And it's a but it's a thing that's not made prominent or joked about in the thing. And at one point Bill Murray's hand, Vankman hands Egon a crunch bar and he says you deserved it and just that and that's it. And so suddenly having the crunch bar is a moment that people will roll tears over because it's a reference to a thing they love so much. And again, as a let, as a love letter to fans, the second half of this movie, sure. Um, but it's the question of the rest of it, like are we are we walking away from it liking it as much as we do? And again, it is incredibly difficult to make me laugh during a movie. This movie made me laugh and of course I freaking cried at the end. Of oh, yeah. course I did. Mm-hmm. Um but I cried at the end for a lot of different reasons. Like anything that deals with, you know, dad issues and stuff like that will usually get me going emotionally. Cause I, my dad died when I was in high school. And so I'm a sucker for that anyway. And then add on the fact that they did a surprisingly really impressive job of an older, not Harold Ramis specifically, but an older Egon Spengler. And they had, in, in some of the behind the scenes stuff, they talk about that decision, how Harold Ramis, um, accord- and I'm using the words that his daughter used, was very much a big Santa Claus guy. 
by the time he passed away. You know, this big jolly dude with big hair and he was much heavier. And instead here, he's like still very slim. He's got the beard. He's kind of ragged. And she said that she thought her dad would really appreciate that, that Egon was, of course, still very skinny and trim despite his junk food diet. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what got me is knowing knowing that the actor had passed and that, you know, this was all kind of done. Um, you know, the, the 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 plot is very much kind of working around that. Um, it it was it was very touching. But again, if you but if you didn't know that, if you no, were somebody a- coming fresh either just to this movie or you watch the first Ghostbusters, you absolutely don't need to watch the second one to see this. They kind of gla- gloss over the second movie existing um, and go straight from from the first Ghostbusters to this one then and treat it as, as the sequel. Are you going to care that Egon is a ghost and then is still hanging out? Like, Or would you just be asking questions like, wait, why doesn't he look like the Scolari brothers? Or why doesn't... You know, is it just because it's Egon and he's a nice guy? Like, are there other nice guy ghosts? They they talk about having conversations with people that have been dead for years in the first Theo, one. Uh, LaGuardia. Yeah. That was in uh, two. Or the, the Titanic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's. Yeah, that that's my big question. So, Joe, it, as somebody that's not as huge of a Ghostbusters fan. Did you rewatch? I know you had talked about it. Did you rewatch the original or the first two before seeing this one? I wasn't able to, and I kind of, I was kind of bummed. But I remembered a lot, and I used to watch the the real Ghostbusters all the time. Okay, so and I think that there was a lot like that they were like, well, remember this is, you know, there were a lot of callbacks to the movies in those. Yeah, well, there was um, the one, the one ghost that appears that has the giant eyeball was one of the toys. It was one of the characters. Yes, from the I cartoon. remember that. Yeah, I absolutely remember that. Um, and so, I, I had seen it enough in the past that I got all the references. Like, okay, or or at least most of them. Like when she tears off her clothes and it's the dress underneath, I was like, "That's funny." Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's funny. Um, yeah, I just I I did enjoy it. I, I can see where, you know, I don't think it was Matt's favorite okay. because he's not somebody who knows the movie very well. Um, right. Yeah. And so I, I, I can see where people who don't have the nostalgia would be a little bit lost or just not appreciate it as much because it definitely leaned into the nostalgia. And so that's that question of like, is it a good film on its own or is it unfair to even judge it based on that because of what the film is and do we allow the film to have the 80s sort of backdoor logic of well it, it's funny that's why we like it doesn't need to make sense like how did how did the original ghostbusters just kind of show up without anyone showing how they even got there mm-hmm. and how they all have their proton packs and stuff when they said that everything was was taken when egon left don't worry about it look at look they're there like it's 80s logic like tearing off the clothes and having the dress you know mm-hmm. like that's 80s comedy logic. Like in 80s comedy movies, most of the things that happen make no sense or are incredibly convenient. I and does this film get to use that as a sequel to an 80s comedy? I think you have to look at it through that lens um, because it's the sequel to an 80s franchise. Um, and 
it keeps in line with that universe. If if you try and hold it up to a movie of today's standards, of course you're going to find all kinds of holes. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you look at it through the lens of okay, if they made this in the eighties, you know, and it, I think it would stand up, and you know, it's absolutely in line with you know the first movie, the second movie. Um, and and to some degree, even the uh, the video game, you know, because the video game had a lot of that same logic. Like, okay, Vigo the Carpathian is hanging out in his painting in the firehouse. But I love we, that. You know, I love that bit. You can it go was up to the so pa- great. You can walk up to the painting and hit a button, and it'll just randomly like tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it's in, in it's various in different ways. Yes, uh, but I mean, it, like. You know, with that kind of logic, it's like, okay, we saw him be destroyed. We saw the painting be destroyed, but yet here it is. It's just like, because it's fun. Right. You know, or the logic in the second one of when they, when they do take out the painting and it turns into a Renaissance photo with, of the Ghostbusters for no reason. Yeah. It's like, how? Don't question it. It's funny. Exactly. You know, you have to look at this movie with that lens. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, well, this was wrong. Well, this was wrong. Right. Well, it's the entire scene of the mini puffs. Yeah. Is that because it within their existing lore, it makes little to no sense. Um, It's it. None. There's nobody else apparently in that Walmart or outside it. Nobody responds. Somehow a terror dog got in. Nobody knows, saw, or responds. Somehow the grills in Walmart have gas hooked up to them. <laughs> I noticed that. Um, and the blenders are plugged in. Uh, you know, like that whole scene is meant to sell merchandise. It's meant that's to sell whole- mini puffs because that's because they're everywhere. If you oh, yeah. if you if you pay attention to, to merchandise stuff. The mini puffs were absolutely meant to be the, I mean, the end, the very, very last thing you see in this film is the no ghost logo with a mini puffed in it. That's mm-hmm. at the very end of the post, the last post credit scene. Um, it was very reminiscent to me of gremlins. Oh God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, it, was, it was such an eighties little monster movie scene, but within the established like ghostbuster lore doesn't make a ton of sense, but then neither does a lot of the stuff in the Ghostbusters movies when the ghosts get loose and it's like this woman shawl comes to life and runs away. It's like, wait, but what does that mean? Were there ghosts of, <laughs> you know, f- ferrets that got into the, like, it, or minks or whatever it is. It, like, so, so much of it is meant to be a shut up and roll with it. But then so much of the other movie feels like it's trying to take itself very seriously. Um, where I feel like in the other Ghostbusters movies, you didn't, like they didn't dive into raised debt problems by having three mortgages. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it stayed on the goofy guy trying to get the girl, which now obviously we look back on and cringe a bit um, or a lot. But it was like, it was that. It was you had the ghost busting and you had the guy trying to get the girl. And so in this new one of the who am I as a person, you know, what does it mean to be the child or the grandchild of this person and this history, like they're trying to deal with some more serious things because Reitman was using it to, you know, work through the whole, like my dad was gone all the time when I was a kid or I'd be there on set, but he wasn't really present. And then Ivan Reitman actually played, he was the double for Egon. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which is that added sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean like the mom has all these problems Mm -hmm. and they never get solved. She says her last name at the end of the movie, which apparently her children didn't know their own last name. I don't get that line. I don't. Or she's like, I'm Callie Spengler, you know, and it goes, oh, you know, weird name. Good luck with that. But it's like, the kids are like, how did, why didn't you tell us I was the granddaughter of Egon Spengler? It's like, well, your last name was Spengler. Like, what? Did you look it up? Well, it wouldn't be because it would be whatever their father's name is. I suppose. I suppose that makes sense. But weird that the kids don't know her maiden name then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is weird. Although, I mean, I guess if she just never talked about it because she just had that disconnect from her father. But yeah, it is another more of that convenient logic. Yeah. Also, like the whole MacGuffin that kicks the thing off is, is they're crazy in debt and have no money. And at the end, they're still crazy in debt and have no money and live in a shack that's falling down. (laughs) But now they have like 50 traps buried in the yard with pieces of Gozer in it, I guess. Um, they're going to need to put those someplace. (laughs) Something's going to have to happen. Well, now remind me this, the second movie didn't have something to do with, they kept putting it all in that tank and that was just too much, that would be the first in the first one they're using the storage facility and yep. they say that it's straining as is because it was never meant to take that many ghosts mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the containment unit and then due to Walter Peck um it gets shut off which then explodes and lets all of the ghosts out at once gotcha yeah and then in the cartoon they really do a deep dive into what that thing is and there's like a whole universe inside yeah wasn't there an episode where they all got sucked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see what the inside, I always loved that where you got to see yeah. what the inside of the containment unit look like. So is, is the cartoon considered Canon? No. In the, the universe. Yes. But in the cartoon, the movies exist. So in, in the cartoon, they go to the premiere of ghostbusters two. Oh, Okay. So the theory is the movies are based on the real Ghostbusters, if you will. Gotcha. Yeah. And we all are forgetting one major series. Ghostbusters Extreme. Extreme. Yeah. Well, that's really what, you know, it looks like. And we kind of hope the sequel will become. Yep. Um, it, with, with Winston instead of Egon, which I'm totally down for. So there was a sequel cartoon around the same time as like the men in black cartoon and stuff, kind of a similar um, art style uh, called the extreme ghostbusters. And it was the next generation and they were led by Egon and it was a direct sequel cartoon to the real ghostbusters. And the, uh, the art style was very heavily influenced by a very good friend of mine, uh, Thomas Perkins, who was the character designer for both series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we we back when Average Geek Show was a thing, we had him on and talked about it, and he basically he designed '90s cartoons. So I, like, I, yeah, that makes sense. Like Jack, Ghost- like Jackie Chan Adventures and stuff like that. Um, Ben Ten, Ghostbusters Extreme, uh, Big Guy and Rusty, uh, the Godzilla the Animated Series, yeah. He actually has an Emmy for Ben 10. Oh, I believe it. I know that show. I never watched it, but I know that show was huge. Yeah. A lot of people love that, but yeah, that that's neither here nor there, but um, 
you know, it's, I definitely want to see that out of a future Ghostbusters movie. And just like you were saying, um, but uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Ernie Hudson has come out and said that, you know, he's, he absolutely wants to be like the Nick Fury of the Ghostbusters cinematic universe. And I'm okay with that. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Really really cool. All right, folks. um, Anything else that we should um, cover before we start wrapping up here? Any other things that you wanted to, to touch on Rob? Um. I don't think so. I think that's just the idea is, is where they go from here. And if you even get any of the characters from this film continuing on, I mean, I didn't really get from Trevor that he really wants to be a ghostbuster now. No. Um, it feels, and that's the dog again. My wife's home. No worries. Um, no worries. <laughs> feel, feels more like hopefully an extreme ghostbuster situation. I'm hoping, and I don't know why I'm blanking on the name of the, the character now I was talking to my friend about it before in the comic books, the, 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 the goth girl from extreme ghostbusters becomes Ray's assistant at Ray's occult books. And it was such this nice little touch. Like the extreme ghostbusters didn't exist in the comic universe, that specific one anyway, but she's still present. And I would love to see some of those characters brought to life as nods to continue all of these fun nods to the, to the different shows and the rest of the franchise. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So on that note, I've got a request and it may not be something that we can do while we're recording, but um, if I wanted to go find all this stuff, like, is it available? I mean, I will be honest that I've got, I've got the, the Ghostbusters remastered, like pulled up on, on Steam and I will not start downloading it while we're recording because I don't think that's a good idea. But <laughs> I am definitely going to, um, I think that is what I am going to do with my uh, winter break video gaming. Um, well, watch but- the, watch like a YouTube video of the gameplay and of some of the cutscenes first. Because mm-hmm. again, it's a fun game. Like one way or the other, it's a fun game. But like, make sure that it's something you want to put the time into. Um, I will say since we are friends on, on Facebook and you can see pictures of me doing some of my stuff, one of the guys in our group has the fully modded uh, proton pack from that video game, where as the game goes, you slowly build onto it. Like it has a mini slime blower on it and it has, um, a bunch of extra lights and vents and, and, uh, and my friend, that's what he wears to events. It's like 50 pounds and it's insane, uh, but, oh, wow. um, it's really cool. That's neat. But I mean, like, like, are the are the comic books still available? Are these comic? Are these cartoon I, series? I would think so. Yeah, I, would I think you, you could can find get the them. comics as a trade or an omnibus. Yes, yeah, they have they have omnibus of both the old comics, like the old real Ghostbusters comics. I know, but I was reading them through my Hoopla app, through my local library, through the digital library. Um, it's just, you have to look online for a reading order. Cause a lot of the mini series, they were put out mostly there was one ongoing series and then a lot of mini series. And so it's trying to figure out the right order. Cause they'll actually refer back to stuff that happened in a previous, like at one point they referred back to the crossover with the teenage mutant Ninja turtles that I hadn't, oh, <laughs> that I hadn't read. <laughs> um, but so I would find the reading order, but then yeah, you can probably get it digitally through your library or certainly find it online. And then the or support cartoons. your local comic book store. Uh, yes, absolutely. 
I bow to that. Yes. <laughs> Go to the comic shop, see what they can get for you. Um, they are very entertaining, especially if you are a fan of Ghostbuster lore and 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 uh, love the movies a lot and the cartoons. And then, I I don't know. I, you might have to tell me. I feel like the real Ghostbusters was on Amazon Prime at one point, but I don't know if it still is. I don't believe that it is. Okay. Um, the real Ghostbusters Volume 4 is. That's weird. I'm well, I'm sure you can also rent or purchase yeah. um, the real Ghostbusters series, and I think even to some extent Ghostbusters Extreme. There are 10 seasons of this thing? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you don't necessarily want to watch through all of them. Um, about halfway through, the budget got cut in half. Right. <laughs> And uh, it turned into Slimer and the Ghostbusters, and uh, it went really downhill. I've heard the early seasons gave people nightmares when they were kids. Oh, oh, did they ever? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the episodes. And then, um, yeah, and Extreme Ghostbusters, I don't know if that's around anywhere. We'll see if it changes now, but I don't know what kind of money Ghostbusters brought in. Otherwise, I'm sure you can find some episodes bootlegged on YouTube. Oh, for sure. I like I, this is basically my this is going to be my my winter break <laughs> because because I've, I've always loved Ghostbusters, but I just didn't think that I, I you know, I knew that it was being kept alive by fans. I didn't realize that a video game had come out. I didn't realize other yeah. other than the one that we played on the Nintendo with oh, God, um, it where you it was a, it was not a good. <laughs> no, well, they keep the problem is they keep trying and people don't outside of that game. People didn't really care so much. They came out a few years ago with basically a Pokemon Go called Ghostbusters World. Mm-hmm. And yes. it just, it kind of sucked. Um, so people didn't really play. Like there was parts about it that were super cool. The idea was you would meet up with other people in the area and go like fight Stay Puft together. Um, and then whatever Sanctum of Slime was, which I which I never played. But the, the other video game was also supposed to be multiplayer because it had support for multiplayer, which would have made it like, the greatest game in the world for ghostbuster fans. Right. Um, and then they never, they like didn't sell enough or they decided not to keep the server going or there was something about it that they never actually did multiplayer with it. For the Xbox 360, they did have a multiplayer server going. That's um, right. There was even skins and definitely teaming up with other ghostbusters around the globe. That sounds amazing. Totally, it is totally before I got my hands on the game, that. but they, they it wasn't very popular because it, it had its issues. Um, so they shut down the servers and they were originally going to try and revive that with the remaster, but they were running into issues where the code did not convert easily over to the remaster. So mm-hmm. they were like, eh, maybe down the road, but with Ghostbusters Afterlife being incredibly popular and more sales coming for the remaster, I think it's something that will be back in the realm of possibilities. That'd be fantastic. I would love to do that because especially now that I have all these other Ghostbuster friends, one of the weird things about, and I think Joe and I talked about it on one of the episodes about cosplaying or something is unlike all of these other people that do cosplay and are part of that community, Ghostbuster fans tend to stand alone where just that's the thing they love. And maybe they built a proton pack for Halloween one year and spent a ton of time and made it really accurate or just learned how to make a costume by looking online and not realizing that there are 
what we call franchises, which is just a, a local group of people that like to dress up and go do stuff together um, all over the world, like hundreds of them all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the number of times I've run into people that was like, I didn't even know this was a thing. You know, I mean, you're like, yep, there's 30 of us in this small area and there's five of them, five of these groups in Minnesota and, and all of this. Um, but the other thing, though, that I would say, Joe, and I know you and I said this specifically when we were talking on the Eternals episode, somehow we got off on this tangent, mm-hmm. was maybe don't watch the whole show. Like maybe look up a top three episodes. Because <laughs> remember, we talked about going back and rewatching like Transformers. Right. Oh, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's, I've, I've tried multiple times so to get through the first episode of, in that of the vein, real Ghostbusters, and I, I can't. In that vein, G.I. Joe as well. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Sad. Extreme Extreme is a little a little different, but it's very much a 90s cartoon that was pulling in like the anime influences where every time they do something, you get speed lines behind them and they do like their suit up sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. they don't have to. So they don't have to write or animate as much. It's that money saving tactic. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, we like. <laughs> there's so much good stuff out there that has become awful with time. That you just like. It was great when we were kids. It was amazing when we were kids, and then you go back and you're like, I should not have done that. <laughs> yeah, it gets well, it's- passed through a nostalgia filter. Yes. And it was great to us because it was bright and shiny and they were selling us things. But it's also like, that's the age where you started with the toy and then built the show mm-hmm. versus generations before and since where they create the show and then build the merch off the IP. I was I was trolling um, through TikTok and looking at all the stuff that's... Um, you know, I just, I love TikTok. <laughs> Brian and I are constantly sending each other videos. <laughs> but um, there was a guy who was basically talking about how, um, you know, with millennials, they talk about, you know, why one of the big influences. And it, he, he pointed out that the cartoons when millennials were growing up were just big toy commercials. Yeah. But to make them something that parents wouldn't mind their kids watching. They put all these like morals in them and like the more, you know, with, with GI Joe and, and you know how, uh, like all of these groups had to work together and he's like, well, that's why. So if corporate America is really upset about the way millennials treat corporate America, he's like, well, your fault guys. You it's taught us crazy. morals. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was kind of interesting. It was kind of, it definitely calls back to uh, to this conversation here. Yeah. Well, awesome. Guys. Like honestly, I I knew that this was going to be fun because I had two really huge Ghostbuster fans on as friends, and so that they would you know kind of pull me through what I should have known going into this movie. But I feel like you guys have given me so much more because I do love this <laughs> franchise. I just have never invested time in it. And now I'm kind of anxious to do so. So, well, I hope um, we didn't lose you too much. No, no, not at all. I, I think I followed pr- along pretty well. I think I had enough, enough of a, an understanding of, of what you guys were talking about. I'm just still flabbergasted that there's this much content to consume. Oh yeah, well, fan films too. Lots of fan films. Oh yeah, 
Well, and Joe, you should know anytime you record an episode with me, I give you homework. Oh yeah, yeah you do. Like I like well, and so does Rob. That's why I should have known going into this that this was going to be like a very homework heavy episode for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's here because here's two more for you that I think you'd enjoy. One is a documentary called Cleaning Up the Town, which oh, is a so new good new documentary that just came out that's a retrospective on the originals and it has a bunch of interviews with everybody. Okay. Um, and then a documentary called Ghost Heads. And it's a documentary all about the Ghostbusters fandom and these franchises all over the world. And it follows one dude in particular who is way too, in my opinion anyway, way too deep. Because um, he has like, a <laughs> shed in the backyard with all of these like unopened toys from the cartoon. Yep. And he's trying to build his own thing. But it's it's a look at how big the fandom is and how much some of these people care. Um and then also go into it knowing that I'm pretty sure he got divorced after the movie was done. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's done in the same way of uh, Trekkies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, also, uh, if you want like a little bite-sized morsel of like a behind-the-scenes documentary, um, Adam Savage's uh, Tested on YouTube Yes. Uh, has a huge like five or six video behind the scenes look at Ghostbusters afterlife and all the work that they put into it to making it. Um, I don't want to say fan service because that's like a bad term, but like all the little nods that they made to the original series, including, you know, Egon's love of junk food and um, just how they built the sets and the props and, uh, it's amazing. And if you get super excited, there are seven days, eight hours and 22 minutes left as of right now for you to spend $400 on the Hasbro pulse uh, campaign where you have to pre-order the full sized one-to-one ghostbusters afterlife proton pack. Ugh. And it just passed 13,000 backers, which unlocked tier three, I believe. I don't remember what. Uh, no, tier one was the hose. That was 9,000. 11,000, I think, unlocked uh, slime decals that you can put on it. And then um, the next one that they unlocked was, what am I looking at? Oh, no, the slime was for if you're a Hasbro Pulse backer. Class one unlocked, I'm looking at it now, was a hose connector for the Spengler wand, which you have to buy separately and is like 125 bucks, unless you can find it on sale which you can't now because they announced the pack that connects to it. Class two, you get um, marshmallow decals and special mini puffs that you can't get anywhere else. They're literally just the same ones. They just have a, a toasted coloring to them, but then people can turn and sell them on eBay. And then the third one is uh, Spengler's Egon Spengler's journal. And then it comes with a bunch of you know pullouts and stickers and, and stuff like that. And then if they make it all the way to 15,000 backers, there's a stand that comes for the um, the thing, like a plastic display stand. But yeah, so 13,000 people have, have dropped 400 bucks, or rather 13,000 have been ordered. Wow. Of this thing. It's cool looking. And they, they have it, again, I brought it up because they have it on, on um, Adam Savage's YouTube channel. He gets a look at it and he uh, he criticizes them a little bit. And saying, well, you could have done this or you could still do this, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just the prototype. 
Um, but then they go really hard into detail and all the cool stuff. And if you were a kid like me that always wanted one, um, this is the first and only time I've ever seen a company like a toy company put out a actual one-to-one scale. Otherwise the closest you get is the one from spirit Halloween, which is about 78% size. And then, you know, if you want to make it more accurate, you have to put in some work and gut it and put in new electronics and all the other stuff I've done. And also, if you were a, a kid like me that had the original toys, the plastic proton pack and trap and all that, uh, I think Hasbro re-released those mm-hmm. recently. So they did with could, like little tiny upgrades, and the wand is actually really good looking. Yeah. Like I know people that are taking the what they call the mod wand, which has little extra things you can put on it. And they're attaching that to a spirit Halloween pack because the spirit Halloween wand is really small. Um, And so they're, yeah, the modding community as well. If you're a crafty person or you like doing cosplay projects or electronics work, it's, it's insane. It's insane how detailed these people get. It's great. The, 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 the depth of this, like, yeah, (laughs) this this is dangerous territory for Joe. It's it's like any (laughs) fandom. It's like any (laughs) fandom. You can fall in a deep, dark hole. Or you can just enjoy it for what it is and enjoy that there's people out there that care so much to turn their cars into ectos. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that that is one thing that I like if <laughs> you're like $400, my, my husband would never let me spend $400 on a proton pack. But, um, you know, before I ever do the ecto one, I still got to do a mystery machine. So that will yeah. that will have to be my my compromise. <laughs> we got one. I did. I uh, I walked behind one at a parade at Fourth uh, of July. When I say we, I don't mean me personally, but we have one as part of our our groups here in Minnesota. So we have a mystery machine. It's fun. It's cool. People love it. No, I love. I I, I think. I honestly think. <laughs> I think my favorite character in the Scooby Doo franchise is the mystery machine. <laughs> nice. Um, my, my husband gave me, um, Mr. Machine Converse for Valentine's day this past February. Oh, that's, oh, they're like that's my right. favorite things in the world. I just absolutely that's wonderful. All right. Well, anyway, we should probably be wrapping up. Um, yes, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Again, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, I definitely think, uh, we need to, <laughs> we need to have some more, um, crossover, what Marvel team up episodes where I get two people that don't know each other yet and, and introduce them over something that they love. I think this, this worked out really well. Yeah, I agree. No, this, this was very fun. It's always, sometimes it's the struggle because you don't want to be the guy that's constantly, um, actually other people and you don't want to be the gatekeeper. So make sure that we're all nice (laughs) when we we come on, but this was great. This is, I love talking to Brian. Thank you for, for geeking out with me. Yeah, no, thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, any shout outs? None for me. <laughs> um, well, let's shout out to all the other Ghostbusters out there and all the oh, other fans yeah. and people that want to become uh, Ghostbusters because it is it is one of those fandoms where, um, you know, body type really super doesn't matter. Um, and it's actually a pretty low point of entry to put together a really basic Ghostbuster costume, so long as like you don't want any the pack or anything. Um, so it's it's a generally a really welcoming community. Um, and uh, again, outside of the 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 jerks who just want to hate on on the 2016, there's there's toxic elements in all of them. But generally, the Ghostbuster community that I've seen is uh, is pretty cool. That's awesome. 
Yes. So shout out to all of you. Like, hopefully, we'll get some some uh, people who have never seen Geekitude before and come and say, "Hey, um, that's a um, you know, it's a it's covering Ghostbusters." And so hopefully, we've gotten some yeah. new people, and uh, and hopefully, hopefully, you stick around. And there's Ghostbuster podcasts out there too. You can go try and snag yourself interviews with the folks from the God. interdimensional cross rip podcast and the Yes Have Some podcast. Oh my God. Again, rabbit hole, rabbit hole. I'm, just, Sorry. I'm gonna Sorry. close before before I go any deeper. Um, <laughs> we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. If you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness monster, and the theory of Atlantis, you can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Listen, do you smell something? That's the Geek to Geek Network. It's overstimulation cause claim calms you. You can check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek Podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't St- Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, As the Dice Roll, Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, Farming Simulated, and Sometimes Rob. Weird name. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'm just writing what's written. <laughs> also, check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bama Shocks, Troidal Power, and Geen, and make sure you join. Uh, make sure to join us in Slack or Discord, where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geek2.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcasters out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you're a god, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Where can we cross streams with you two? Um, well, uh, this is really the only place you can find me nowadays. Uh, you have a, you have your, your leather, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you can also check me out on Instagram at Nerdsmith Leatherworks. Uh, we are crafting leather goods from your favorite fandoms. I'm going to open up and, a tab right now and look at that. That sounds cool. There's nothing on that page currently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pretend I'm looking at it. Oh, these are really nice. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you can find me on my podcast and sometimes Rob on the geek to geek network. I'm on Twitter at Noby K N O W B Y. And, uh, I am also on the geek to geek discord in the comics media channel. All right. Thanks again, gentlemen. This has been absolutely a blast. We'll definitely have to get you guys on, um, again, uh, I think there's a lot of crossover geekiness <laughs> in this trio right here. Um, But for the rest of you out there, uh, remember this week, keep it geek. Geek.